Yo, what's going on, everybody? Today in this bonus episode, we've got Adam Wood, who is trying to hit that OTQ. He is currently an unsigned but sub-elite runner, maybe elite runner. I'm not sure what he would consider himself, but we'll get a chance to talk to him. You guys probably, if you're watching this channel, you probably already have seen Adam Wood on YouTube already. He's got a really fantastic and I would say underrated YouTube channel, and he's documenting the whole process of being an OTQ hopeful. I've been fascinated by it. He recently raced in the McCurdy Micro Marathon, and he's going to take a little bit of a spoiler alert. He's going to take another crack at it at CIM in December. So I wanted to talk to him all about this uh, and a little bit of the kind of like unsigned athlete lifestyle. So Adam, welcome to the channel and thank you for taking time to speak with me today. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on. I'm happy to be here. Let's start out for people that don't know you. Um, let's set the like. Let's give a little bit of background and context. So you ran at BYU D1 athlete um, all four years. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. When did you graduate from college? So I graduated in the spring of 2022. So it's been about a year and a half now. Okay, and since then you've been trying to run faster and also been kind of documenting it on YouTube. Is that right? Yep. Yep. I uh, I started out on TikTok. Then I made my way to Instagram okay. and uh, just recently started a YouTube channel here a couple months ago. And how is the YouTube channel going? Honestly, it's kind of blown my expectations out of the water. I, I just started posting stuff on there because um, I'm a nerd about running. I love training and all that stuff. And, um, you know, and I like to be a little creative. So I just put it up there just to kind of see what happened. And uh, it's kind of taken off a little bit, which is, uh, which is cool. It's very cool. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see, and especially since you mentioned like the TikTok to Instagram to, to YouTube kind of like trajectory, I've seen a lot of people go through that and have a lot more difficulty in kind of making the transition from like shorter form to longer form. Um, what would you say has been kind of like the secret to you being able to navigate that well when I've seen other much bigger TikTokers struggle with that? Yeah, honestly, I think deep down I'm kind of more of a YouTube guy. I think I actually struggle to let my personality show in short form content because um, TikTok, you know, you're following trends as well as trying to get your own story out there. Whereas YouTube, you can kind of just be um, real and just say whatever you want to say and what is true to you. So YouTube actually came a lot more uh, natural to me. And then tell me about kind of like the the team. Is it a sing I, I think it's you and your wife that are kind of behind the channel. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So our Instagram um, is together. We both have our own separate uh, TikTok accounts though. But um, yeah, she just graduated this past year and she's also a runner and she's running as well, chasing her own dreams, doing her own stuff. So we just decided that Instagram would be kind of a fun place to document both of our running journeys together and kind of how it affects us, you know, as a, as a married couple and stuff like that. So, okay. Did you guys both run it at BYU? No. So she actually ran at Utah state and we dated basically okay. the whole time, uh, we were there just at different universities. So, okay. And while you were at B BYU, um, we, what, so you graduated in 2022. So then would you have overlapped with Connor Mance while you were there? Yeah. Then? Yeah. Actually my first okay. year, um, on the team was actually his first year back from his mission. So we, okay. uh, yeah, we spent, I was on the team for his whole time there. And so, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. All right. And then I, uh, I guess we're jumping around a little bit, but, um, just to kind of flush out the kind of like the BYU connections there, 
I know I watched in your build up to the McCurdy Micro Marathon, you went out to Flagstaff for a, cu- a couple of weeks. Yep, yep. That's where uh, that's where my coach is, Rory Linkletter. Okay. Um, he also right. was a teammate at BYU, and actually, he was a high school teammate at in at Harriman High School here in Utah. So we go way back. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. All right. All right. Now, so then, did you? So you overlapped with him too, then? Yeah. Right? As well, yeah. As well. I was only. Okay. I was only on the team with him for about a year and a half before he graduated, but. Okay, okay, so and you've known him since high school? Yeah, I've known him since high school. I only, in high school, I only overlapped with him um, for a year. He was a senior and I was a freshman, so he kind of took me under his wing and guided me a little bit. Also bullied me a little bit as well, but yeah, that's how it goes. (laughs) Okay, following kind of Rory out to to Flagstaff, because he's your coach now, but also someone that you've run with in high school and in college, and he's kind of like at the point where I'm assuming that's where you'd like to be. He's a sponsored athlete. He's representing his country as a marathoner. Um, what what is? The, tell me a little bit about that dynamic. I mean, it was kind of just a logical kind of step for me to do. I was going all in on this marathon build, and um, he was my coach, and so he's been kind of coaching me remotely, which has been fine. But um, you know, having someone there in person to kind of facilitate the workouts, adjust the workouts as needed, is always helpful. So. Um, I knew that I wanted to go out there and kind of be with them and we were buddies. So it kind of just, it worked out well, um, and spent about a month there just getting kind of that good training. And, and, you know, I trust him a lot cause you know, he is kind of where I would want to be. He's, he's a good runner and, um, he, that's all he does is he runs. So, uh, yeah, I, I look up to him a lot. So it was, it was good going out there for sure. Salt Lake city is not exactly low altitude. So like, was it, did you find that it was useful for you to go, like in retrospect, to go up to flag, um, going from what, like 4,000 to 7,000 feet? Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. And, um, you know, Rory told me about the benefits and um, I've been to Flagstaff before, you know, I've ran there for about a week or so, but I've never really worked out there. Um, so the altitude boost was something that we we're kind of looking at, which is why we chose the four week kind of stint up there. Um, and yeah, I could honestly going up there, I could tell the difference. I, I I've been in Utah altitude, 4,500 feet for um, you know my whole life basically, and I was still shocked at uh, how challenging the altitude was in Flagstaff. Still, I mean, one one last question on on the on the Rory coaching because I'm finding it fascinating. Would you say that his coach, like his workouts and coaching style, is more like Coach Eyestone, or is it more like kind of Ryan Hall stuff, or like, or is he like making up his own stuff and crafting his own master plans for you? Like, I'm I'm curious to see what that's like. That's a good question. It definitely has some elements of Coach Eyestone in it for sure. Okay. Um, but it's definitely similar to the training he does and and the the training that Ryan gives him. I think it's more of Rory just kind of picks what he liked from both programs and what he thinks would work for me and kind of just meshes it all together. That's kind of what it seemed like at least, so. Okay, all right. Um, And it seems like you're responding well to that training. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's been good so far. I've been feeling great and uh, yeah, training, training has been going good for sure. Let's kind of talk about the period kind of in between college and before this latest build. So like you, you graduate from college and was it that winter that you ran CIM? That was your first marathon? Yeah. Yep. Yep. In December. So. so tell me about the decision to go straight from like graduating from college right into running fast marathons. What was the thought process there? Yeah. What's funny is when I graduated from BYU, I was kind of disappointed with how, you know, my last race went. 
I was done with running altogether, to be honest. And um, I was I was actually like looking at gym memberships. I want to get in the gym, start lifting, get bigger, because you know as distance runners we tend to be skinny. Um, so I kind of wanted to bulk up a little bit. But um, you know I was a couple weeks away removed from the sport, obviously. And uh, it's funny because Rory actually I had two teammates, Connor Mance and Rory. They both kind of talked to me, and they're like, "Hey, running." is so much bigger than like the NCAA. There's like so much like the roads has to offer and there's just like a whole other side of the sport you haven't seen yet. So if like you're still interested, you should give it another shot. And honestly, I only really needed like an excuse, a reason to jump back in because immediately I was just all into training again. Rory's had a lot of success at CIM as well. So was it his idea like, hey, you should go run this race? Yeah, he, he said we had some options and whatever worked with my timeline and kind of my work schedule because I was still figuring that out at the moment. But he said that he knew that CIM had a good amount of um, qualifiers and stuff like that. But he actually, when I was talking to him, he was like, you need to find yourself a coach. And he said, and you should do like whatever gets you excited. If you, I was a steeplechaser at BYU. So he's like, if you still want to do the steeplechase, try and qualify for the Olympic trials and steeplechase, you know, like do that, like do kind of whatever gets you excited. And it was kind of my idea to go to the marathon and uh, go after that OTQ. So, and he mentioned CIM would kind of be a good place. So tell me how that breaks down for you in terms of like laying out this plan. Were you, were you married at the time when you graduated from college? No, I actually got married the summer after I graduated. So it was a busy summer for okay. sure. It, it, okay. it was a little slow getting started into running because I was planning a wedding and, okay. and getting married in July, the end of July. Okay. So. Okay, so, so you're newlyweds and then you tell your wife, like, okay, I'm going to try to become a professional runner now. Like, how does that conversation happen? How do you break that down? Like, you have a job, but like now you want to train like a pro so like how, how are you like figuring all that out yeah she honestly she would probably tell you that she's not surprised she uh she knows that i'm a dreamer and that my heads are in the cloud all the time and so she's uh she expected it to be honest and she was she was fully supported she was like awesome she was still running at the time she still had a year left in school so um we were kind of just running and training kind of at the same time and uh yeah, we, we made it work. We knew it was going to be pretty tough, especially with, with working and stuff like that. But um, yeah, she was she was game for it. And she wasn't even surprised when I said I wanted to keep running. So And she's also, you mentioned she's still pursuing running after college as well. Yeah, yeah. So she just graduated okay. this past uh, spring. She's more of a 5K, 10K runner. So she's going to mm -hmm. kind of stick to the track. She's also from Peru. So um, she's going to try and uh, make some Peruvian teams here in the future as well where where does the social media part of it come in is that like all right here's how we make all the numbers work in terms of like paying rent and surviving and being able to keep continue training or was it like i'm doing the social media and hey maybe it can oh maybe this can turn into something yeah it, honest it was uh it was completely organic i would say i was against the social media thing my wife she she had the tiktok way before i did and she was like, hey, make this make this TikTok with me. And so I'd, I'd hop in some of her TikToks or whatever. And she's like, you should just make your own stuff and post your own workouts and training. She's And, you know, I, I started doing that and just throwing stuff up there, throwing stuff up there. And uh, um, but, yeah, I was not expecting it to take off at all. So um, it was a pleasant surprise for sure. Um, it was kind of stressful when it was all first getting and going and stuff like that, when it started getting really big. But um yeah, it was completely organic. I was kind of just doing it for fun. Going back to uh, Coach Eyestone, 
like now I know like different coaches have different kind of uh, attitudes towards their athletes in social media. What what was Coach Iston? What was like kind of like the team attitude in terms of like posting stuff on social media like when you were there? Yeah, so um, we call Coach Iston. We call him Easy E because he's very relaxed, he's chill, and uh, he didn't really have a problem with any social media and stuff. Obviously, you know, we're respectful with what we post because we represent more than just ourselves. We represent the school and things like that. But um, he's not like other coaches who really care about if we post our training or workouts and stuff like that. Like the whole team has Strava and we're putting in workouts and splits and rest and all that stuff. So um, pretty open, pretty open. The team culture is pretty open to, to what we were doing, so. The first marathon build who was who was coaching you for that one so, going into so rory CIA. so rory coached me for that okay. one as well i asked him to shortly after uh he gave me that call um okay. just because you know he, he he knows me best so i figured it would kind of be a, a okay. seamless transition so so he's like hey you got to go find your own coach and figure all this stuff out and you're like you're my guy yeah i'm like hey what do you, what do you think <laughs> about coaching me and i mean he he was like yes of course i, I will do it okay. for you and so very very cool yeah uh, and then tell us about the result on that one. You came painfully close to hitting the OTQ that first time out there. Yeah, I ran I ran 218.37, so just 37 seconds off the OTQ mark. Um, but it's funny because that build actually was not a very good build in terms of what I would classify as a good build. I was It was a hard adjustment, you know, like getting married, working full time all of a sudden, and then like we moved up to northern Utah and it gets really cold there, so doing all my workouts in the cold. By the time I got to CIM, I was like, man, I will be fine if I run 222, you know, 225. Like I, I wasn't even thinking about the OTQ, honestly, at the, at the starting line of, of CIM. And, um, yeah, yeah. It was kind of funny that way. And so this was just last year's CIM, right? Yep. Yep. One year ago. The one where like, it like rained all morning. And then as soon as the race started, it like stopped yep. raining. Yeah. It was honestly, it was perfect. perfect. I was worried about the rain, but yeah, it was, it yeah. was perfect. And where does that end up placing you if you're running a 218 high uh, or kind of 218 mid for that finishing places wise? Uh, honestly, I, on, I don't I don't know. If I, if I had to guess, maybe 40th, 50th, 30th, uh, maybe higher. I, I didn't I didn't look at that. I, I was mostly just excited about the time, and um, you know, yeah, there was a group of guys I was with as well, so I, we were all just celebrating kind of our, our victories and stuff like that. So. I didn't even look at the placement, which is kind of funny. All right. So then that's December of last year. Mm -hmm. And then um, you didn't run another marathon until just this this month. What What's what's happening in between there? So I actually, Or did you run another marathon? So actually I did. I attempted to race at Grandma's Marathon um, oh, okay. in June. In June. So um, kind of after CIM, I took a break. I ran maybe a couple halves and road races and stuff like that, um, and then kind of geared up for uh, grandmas. And then after grandmas, I did McCurdy. So what happened with with grandmas? Yeah, so grandmas actually ended up kind of being another tough day for me. Um, I got to twenty and just could not keep going. I I, I fell over. I had to walk off the course. But um, yeah, that one grandmas is actually a fun course too. It's in Duluth. Uh, Minnesota and that's like a fun little town so it was it, the event was awesome and the town is very cool so so you've done CIM you've done grandma's and then you did this McCurdy micro marathon I mean I feel that's like like the runner nerd trifecta yeah it really is uh, like, in terms of races to run. yeah it, it's like they were all races where it's like okay these are fast races 
these like you know they're pretty flat you don't have to worry they're like generally the conditions are good so it's like you're gonna run kind of a fast time there and so that's kind of that's always been my goal obviously is to hit that OTQ and stuff like that so those were the most logical steps because I could also get bottles at all those races as well so what ha what do you think happened uh, at grandma's where you had to step off the course like so what was kind of like the postmortem on on that race yeah so grandma's the thing is that was weird too the the literally the week of the race I started feeling a little bit sick with uh, a sore throat and some symptoms like that but it's it it's hard to know um, I'm I was when I get sick, I am in denial, especially so close before a race. I'm telling myself I'm not sick, even though I'm crushing vitamin C's, you know, chugging electrolytes, trying to get better, right? But um, yeah, that day probably was the sickness, so. Changing gears from grandma's in June, was it like immediately I set on this McCurdy micromarathon? Yeah, we were looking at another marathon and we wanted to either do McCurdy or CIM. Um, McCurdy just kind of okay. seemed like too big of an opportunity to pass up because they were offering bottles to everybody. It was a flat course, pacers, you know, limited field size and all that kind of stuff. So it was geared towards literally getting those qualifying standards. So it just made sense. In terms of the build from that June to October, was it more of like, all right, let's just run it back. Let's do the same training plan again. We had good fitness. We just got to do it one more time or were there changes that you implemented from say like CIM to grandma's to McCurdy? I think more it was it was run it back we we gave me a little bit of time to rest and recover but we wanted it to we wanted to get me to a situation where I was feeling way fitter than the OTQ so that way um, even on not so good of a day I could come away with that OTQ so we kind of just revamped everything in terms of how hard the workouts were mileage and, and stuff like that so let's talk about mccurdy and i think my audience probably all knows what it was but it's essentially like a 2.9 mile as flat as they could find loop where you could get very consistent hydration and nutrition and the only goal of this race is for people that are close to the otq time to be able to run it so it's not like a big mass participation race right yeah exactly it basically it's a time trial is what it is time trial marathon so Okay, so like you're you're getting up to New York for this uh, in Rockland State Park, and uh, how many like I'm guessing there's probably a lot of guys all with the same objective as you on that day, is that right? Yeah, there was a lot of guys. I I want to say the men's field was over a hundred. I could be wrong, but the men's field was huge, and um, it was on a little like trail, forest trail, kind of paved trail, and um, you know which isn't the widest. It's not as wide as running in a road, so. Um, I was worried about the bottles and kind of how crowded it would be, but to be honest, it was, it, it, I didn't notice that how many men were in the field. It was nice having that many people around you and, uh, yeah, it spread out pretty quickly and bottles and all that worked out perfect. So how did you know where to stand? Like in terms of lining up? Cause it's not, I mean, if everyone's trying to run the same pace, but you can't all fit in the starting line at the same time, like how? How that? How did that work? Yeah, because so I, I, the, it's gun time, right? Yeah, for yeah, the, 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 yeah. The race director he kind of put us in based on you know times we were shooting for and kind of like where we were entered in at, and that we kind of just all filed along there. The nice thing about the nice thing about marathons is everybody, it's the marathoning is a gentleman's sport. I would say everybody's pretty courteous and kind. You know, people are sharing fluids and bottles and stuff like that, and I think everybody kind of understands. We all wanted, we were all shooting for the same thing, so. Um, 
there wasn't even that much pushing or shoving the first little part like I'm like I was used to in the NCAA right so what did you have in the bottles uh, or the, what was the nutrition plan for the race yeah so I didn't I didn't ever second actually um, okay I don't know if you've heard of them but I was doing mm-hmm. their uh, their gels and their uh, kind of bottle nutrition as well bottle every lap or yeah I was bottle taking, in I was the taking a bottle room? bottle every 5k and then every lap, you know, 5K, and then um, every 10K, I was taking a gel. So, okay. Mm-hmm. And how'd that go down? Went down really good. I've I've had struggles with other nutrition stuff um, in the past, and so never second was something that's worked for me recently. So, um, yeah, it, it it worked out well, and stomach was good, and all that kind of stuff. So, but at some point things didn't go so well for you at the micro marathon uh can you like walk us through a little bit of a race recap yeah yeah so basically i get to the starting line and i'm running and for some reason i'm just like not feeling very good and you know they say in the marathon i went back to all my coping mechanisms right i was like well it's a long race you'll warm up into it you're supposed to weather the storms like you're not even supposed to be thinking how you're feeling until like at least 13 miles into the race. So I kind of just flipped my brain off and didn't really think about it. Right. Then I get a couple laps in and I'm just like, man, I am getting dropped. I'm still on pace, but it's like the group that I'm running with is getting faster and I feel like I'm speeding up, but I'm not right. And that's when I realized about a lap later that I wasn't quite running normally. And, uh, yeah, I was having some, some hip pelvis problems, stuff that's been bothering me in the past a little bit. And at that point, I think I was like 14 or 15 miles in. And with it being a time trial situation and me just being off the pace at that point, um, I knew I would probably have another opportunity to go for it. Uh, So I just stepped off the course to kind of hope to salvage some, uh, my legs a little bit. So the the thinking was like, there's no, there's no benefit for coming in 20th or whatever. So might as well pack it in and take another bite at the apple later yeah yeah that's exactly what it is and and to be honest it's hard like when you when you're getting dropped and you have this goal right it's a little bit of you part of me wanted to finish because i'm stubborn and you know i'm like i'm in this race i want to finish and then part of me is you know just kind of gutted and, and and beaten down a little bit and so um yeah it stepping off was definitely the right decision i know that because i didn't know what was going on with my hip and pelvis and I knew that there would be another opportunity. So um, it was definitely the right decision, but I didn't know what to do. I, I was looking at my wife every lap and I was like, what do I do? Like, do I keep going? Should I stop? Like, you know, cause at that point, once I hit the point of no return where there was no way I was coming back, I just was kind of lost. And so I just stepped off. Have you had more, uh a chance to learn more about what was bothering you? Like what's the prognosis with that? Yeah. So. I haven't really figured out exactly what it is, what happened to it. Um, I did, it's been, it was tweaked earlier in training. So kind of the goal after that was to get it, to get it fixed and to get it feeling good and maybe take, take a little time off and kind of see if I can kind of nurse it back together and stuff like that. So that's how my last week of training has been going is kind of just like feeling how that is going to go. If I'm even going to be able to race here in a couple of weeks and, um, it feels good. I have a doctor's appointment and like, a couple days about it to see to make sure it's not like a stress fracture or anything like that and to see if I can still train on it obviously and and stuff like that but um, yeah okay uh, have you been doing workouts since McCurdy micro or how how's it felt been feeling to run it yeah so far? yeah so I've done 
I've done two workouts so far, nothing crazy, just kind of layups to, you know, spin the legs over, get, get the, remind the body what it's like to run. I, I still ran. Um, I, I've never, I didn't take any time off of running, just did kind of a week of lower mileage, but, uh, yeah, two workouts and everything's feeling good. Let's talk about shoes for a little bit. Um, as an unsponsored athlete, well, first of all, I, in the intro, I was like, unsponsored, sub-elite, you're, I mean, to me, it's elite. It's super fast, how fast you can run. Where do you kind of put yourself in that? Well, I know people, my follower, like people on TikTok and Instagram hate, hate when I call myself sub-elite, but, you know, I'm a sub-elite guy. I'm not... I'm not world class, you know. I'm not, you know, running with Connor Mance or any of those guys, right? Um, I would put myself as sub elite, but I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be elite. I'm, I'm trying to hang with the with the big boys and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'd put myself. Uh, related question: How do you feel about like, like, what do you tell people that you do on on YouTube? Do you like, do you like the term influencer? Do you do people call you that? Like, how do you feel about that word? It's a loaded term, and yeah, yeah, I honestly, have my own relationship with it. But what is your take on it? It's I used to not like it and I still kind of don't like it. It's weird when I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I'm kind of like an influencer because that just sounds, <laughs> I just don't like the sound of that. And I hate when people yeah. call me a, a run influencer, or, you know, um, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, I guess that's kind of what I am. And I kind of got to, I kind of got to embrace it because I mean, that's what I'm doing. I just put my stuff up for everybody to see and, uh, you know, they can call me whatever they call me, but I'm just running. So, yeah, I mean. I love what you're doing because I just feel like it's something that we've seen the American women distance running do really well over the past like half decade and decade. And I've just been like, there aren't a lot of dudes that are storytelling well. There's a lot of guys that are running fast. American distance running is doing better than it has in a long time. But there's not a lot of great storytellers. And I don't, I just, I feel like maybe that's a generational thing. Like a lot of these guys grew up in the, kind of systems where I was like, you keep all your training to your vest, you only let your running, your racing talk for you, and every other time you just shut up, you know? And I'm like, that's cool, I guess, but I'm like, it doesn't have to be that way. And we could become much more invested in the athletes that we see if they wanted to share some more. I agree, I agree. I think it's, I think it is such a missed opportunity. Um, you know, when I was growing up in high school, there there wasn't really a lot of running content out there and there wasn't a lot of good running content out there right and um you know that's changed a lot but you know you have these pro these professional athletes who you know their job at the end of the day is to is to run you know and so they don't want to deal with all that social media stuff that's fine but um i just remember being in high school being desperate for running content and just eating up everything that i could possibly get so it's definitely a missed opportunity and i think that our sport would probably grow, um, would grow a lot, and it'd just be good for the sport if a lot of people kind of told their stories a little bit better on social media. But it's it's a hard thing to do. It took me a little bit to figure out and stuff like that, so um, it's understandable why not. But yeah, I mean, I, I can understand it, and I don't think that it's like easy for any athlete to do. Just throw that extra couple hours a day onto your onto your schedule, like <laughs> no big deal. It's not quite uh, that straightforward but i do also recognize that like it is something that if you're not having that conversation your agent is having that conversation with brands and sponsors about like what's the social media engagement what's the following all that kind of stuff so it's like you know it has nothing to do with your running but it has a lot to do with, with kind of your job yeah yeah in, exactly in a lot of ways. exactly yeah uh all right so 
sorry, that was a little for the tangent, and thank you for indulging me. Um, the, the main thing that I want to get to was you're not sponsored, so you can pick from any shoes you want. Um, what did you race with? Um, well, let's go through all the all the the last three marathons. Like start at McCurdy and then go back to Grandma's and then uh, for the first CIM. Yeah. So at McCurdy, I raced in the Saucony Endorphin Elites. Um, I did. I raced in those as well for uh, Grandma's, and then CIM. I raced in the Alpha Fly ones. So. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nice choices. Nice choices. Um, and then let's go over like kind of like what the shoes that you would run in like in a given week or, or cycle however if, whether you're on like a seven nine or ten or whatever that is can you just kind of break that down for us a little bit yeah absolutely i mean so the nice thing about being unsponsored is i can wear whatever i want and i can try whatever i want and so i also pride myself in not having a set shoe rotation i i use everything i i honestly i really mean that okay. um but kind of shoes that have stuck with me through multiple builds and stuff like that is, is going to be the Hoka Clifton's, obviously. Love those. And the Bondies as well. Um, this past build, I actually tried the uh, On Cloud Monsters. And I have really enjoyed those shoes, actually. So they'll probably be sticking around. Um, you know, at BYU, we were a Nike school. So I wore a lot of, you know, Pegasus and the Vomeros and stuff like that, which um, I, I really like both those shoes as well. Um, and then, you know, I wear a New Balance. The New Balance 1080s are like my favorite to run in. And so, um, yeah, I, I I see a new shoe and I usually end up buying it and kind of seeing how, it, how I like it is kind of how it goes. Nice. You know? uh, what are you wearing for your workouts? Like I talked to Rory about it and he likes to stay out of the carbon until later in the build. Like, is that something that he's kind of passed down to you or how do you feel about that? Uh, honestly, I'm wearing carbon any chance I get. It's, it's like... I don't even know how to really feel about it because I was in, I was at BYU when kind of that shift was happening. It was like, okay, we, we have these, you know, plated shoes. Do we work out in them? Do we just save them for races? And I was kind of like there when we were switching over to wearing, um, plated shoes and workouts. And, um, I just, I like it. It, it makes me feel smoother. It, the, the workouts don't take as much out of me, which I think is important, especially with like working. And I, I don't have all the all the recovery tools I had in college. So, um, you know, I want to work out hard, but I also want to recover hard. And I think that, you know, being in those plated softer shoes kind of helps me a little bit. I'm 100% with you on that one. Like, uh, it, I feel like it makes you sound tougher if you're like, yeah, I'm going to just, uh, roll out in some daily trainers for this session of mile repeats. And I'm like, well, good on <laughs> you, but I'm a, I'm a not, I'm a not even sub elite. I'm non elite. Uh, I'm going to get my carbon plated racing shoes for this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. 100%. Um, and so what are you using for workouts? Is it more and more pairs of, do you just have like a closet full of endorphin elites or yeah, so, what else are you using for workouts? So again, this is just feeding my running shoe addiction, but, um, any super shoe I can get my hands on, I'll, I'll, I, I try them out. Right. So this past build, I tried, um, Puma super shoes. And then I tried, um, ons the cloud boom echoes and you know, the Sockenies, obviously the endorphin elites. So those are kind of the three I was messing around with. Oh, and the vapor fly threes. So I, I, I literally use like, I like to try them all and then kind of just pick whatever one's my favorite for race day. Well, let's kind of like, kind of close out talking about like getting from like now today, um, through CIM, you know, again, is it another one of like, all right, let's, run it back the plan is solid let's just get another couple of weeks under our belt and then try to execute again or are there tweaks yeah so there's going to be definitely tweaks this go around because 
Okay. You know, my last few marathon attempts, you know, I haven't even been able to finish. So we got to kind of figure out what is up with that. And, you know, I, we're, we're narrowing it down on it. I think that right now kind of we're, we're going to reel it back in training um, just because the trend for all of my builds is that my workouts and my mileage has all gotten better. Each, each build has gotten subjectively better in terms of the workouts I was able to do and the mileage that I was doing during those workouts. But each one subsequently have gotten worse, right? So we're, we're kind of wondering if, you know, me working, you know, because I still have to work and uh, also me trying to run at the same time as well as all this social media stuff is kind of just too much for me to kind of handle, you know, mentally and physically as well. So um, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take it back on training a little bit. Um, it's nice because I didn't have to hit a full reset after the McCurdy race, so I still kind of got that fitness. Um, so the main goal is to kind of just get me to CIM feeling good. Um, and yeah, that's the plan for training at least. So, Do you have any other friends or people that you've run or raced with before that are also going to be at CIM, people that you can kind of pack up with? Yeah, so I actually have a buddy, and we've actually hit all these marathons together. And he's a teammate. Okay. His name's Michael Otteson. He's like He also has started YouTube and um, social media stuff too just because I got him into it a little bit, and he loves doing that stuff as well. Um, but he'll be at CIM. He's kind of going for the same thing. He struggles with cramping though in his calf. So he's, that's hit, been his battle of trying to figure out and stuff like that. So, um, we're both going to give it one last go at CIM and you know, whatever happens happens, but, um, you know, it's, it's been fun for sure. All right. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll be at CIM. Uh, my main goal there this year, I raced last year, but this year I want to go and I know with it being the Olympic year. Pretty much the last day you can hit that qualifier. I know that's going to be an exciting day. So I'll be at the finish line cheering you on, and I can't wait to uh, to see how it, how it looks uh, as you're finishing that race. Awesome. I appreciate that. Come come say hi to me. I'll be, I'll be looking out for you, and we can maybe uh, go get a drink or something. I don't know. Sounds great. Yeah. Sounds great. All right. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. I'll put links in the description for where you can find Adam on Instagram and on YouTube. Uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button for him because the content is great. Uh, and the channel definitely does not have the number of subscribers that I think it should have. So let's take him from underrated to, I guess, rated <laughs> in terms of like the right number of subscribers. So uh, I think that it's something that you're going to enjoy and you're going to really enjoy following his story. Adam, is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off for today? Um, no, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I love your content and uh, watching what you do as well. So big fan. All right. Well, I'll see you in Sacramento then.